Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. It's a journey, and we're all walking it together. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. Well, good morning, y'all. Everybody doing good? Yeah, well, welcome to No Limits. Welcome to church, the best place to be. Now, I know many of you have had an opportunity to watch it online, and you've also had an opportunity to be here, but there's nothing like being here. You know what I mean? But for those of you who are online, we are really grateful that you're with us, but if you do have the chance, we would love to see you here in person because it's just not the same being online. We're grateful it's an option, though, so thanks for being with us. Well, today is Vision Sunday. We take a Sunday every year to simply focus on why we do what we do here at No Limits, because if we lose our why, we lose our way. And you'll hear more about that here in a little bit. But for those of you who don't know me, my name's Cade, and I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Beth. And here at No Limits, we're on a mission of making a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. In other words, we want to help you live the life that God planned for you before you were even born. It's a good plan, but you don't get there by yourself. We need each other along that journey. And that's why we get together here on Sundays. That's why we get together throughout the week in our small group. And the goal we're reaching for is found in Ephesians 3.20, right? And it basically says that when we allow God's power to work in us as a group of believers, we come together and just say, God, you do your thing. He's going to blow our minds with what he can accomplish through our church. So that's what we're after. That's why we're called No Limits Church. So go ahead and look at whoever's next to you and say, take the limits off. All right. So let's talk about vision. God has a vision for our church and he has a vision for you. Say, God has a vision for me. And we tend to think that vision is just an intangible, ambiguous thing that we can't, like, what is it? But it's actually made really clear in the Word, and I'm really thankful for that. And here's why it's so important that we know what it is. Proverbs 29, 18, if people can't see vision, right? If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what He reveals, they are most blessed. Good thing is, we know what God's doing because He tells us in His Word what He's up to. But reading and talking about it isn't enough. What does it say we have to attend to it? What does that mean? We got to do it. We got to get to work. We talk about God's vision all the time here at No Limits, and you hear me use these words over and over and over. And I'm intentional about making it very clear for you guys because we all need to be on the same page about what the vision is for our church. But let's start with how this vision applies to your life. Y'all get that pen ready because you're going to have to write really fast. Usually these blanks are kind of spread out for you, but you're going to have to write really quickly. So here's God's vision for you. And the first thing is he wants you to get closer to him. No matter where you are in your walk with God, there's always a step closer. He's like, come on a little bit closer. Come on a little bit closer. And the next thing is, he wants you to grow in freedom. You guys have probably realized that this is a process. You don't just like get free from everything all at once. It's kind of a continual, gradual, you get free from this, get free from that. It's a walk, you grow in freedom. And then he wants you to develop your purpose. Once you discover it, you got to develop it. You got to practice it. You got to use it. And then you might discover new things and you got to develop those, practice them, use them. And then finally, all this is so that you can make a difference in the lives of others. So that's God's vision for you, your personal life. And now let's move on to God's vision for our church. And first up is to get lost people saved. In other words, to help people know God, right? And then we need to get the saved people pastored. In other words, we care for them. We lead them into freedom. We help them out. Pastored people, discipled. We got to get them trained in their purpose. And why? Because we need discipled people mobilized. We need to send them out so that they can make a difference. 
So that's two different ways really to say the same thing. God has a vision for you. He has a vision for our church. They're really the same thing. And here's how you hear me say it all the time. We all exist to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. That's a lot of writing right there, isn't it? This is our spiritual journey, and we are all somewhere along this journey. So what I want to do this morning is actually do a little checkup with you today. Did you know that you came to the doctor today? We're going to do a little checkup. So how are you doing along this journey? How are you progressing? The reason I ask is because it's kind of human nature to just stall out and kind of stay where it's comfortable to kind of get stuck. And maybe you know, like maybe you know just enough about God to stay out of hell, but you haven't really dove deep into a relationship with him. Or maybe you're pretty close to God and you found freedom from some stuff, but there's still some stuff in your life that you know shouldn't be there and you're just keeping it hidden instead of bringing it out into the open so it can be dealt with and you can find freedom. But the problem is if you leave stuff alone, you don't stay in the same place, you actually get worse. There's actually a mechanical term that's used in thermodynamics to explain this phenomenon and it's called entropy, which is a gradual decline into disorder. In other words, when you leave stuff alone, it doesn't stay the same. It gradually gets worse until you end up in a big, hot mess, right? If you don't maintain your body with the right food and exercise, it doesn't stay the same. It gets worse. We've all had firsthand experience on that one, right? If you don't work on your marriage, it doesn't get better. It doesn't even stay the same. It gets worse. But human nature is to wait until we're in complete disorder before we wake up and decide to do something about it. And then we're like, well, how did this get so bad? I don't know if you've heard the story about a couple who had been married for 60 years. That's a long time to be married. And they'd been faithful to each other, but the fire had just kind of gone out. They weren't real excited to be around each other anymore. And the romance had kind of fizzled out, you know. One night, the old man was sitting on the couch and watching TV and I don't know what had gotten on, gotten into grandma that day, but she was feeling a little frisky. So she just kind of pranced into the living room, sat down next to him, kind of nestled up next to his side and started nibbling on his neck a little bit. And he just got up and walked out. And while he was walking out, she was like, honey, did, did I do something to offend you? He's like, nope, just going to get my teeth. He wanted to do a little nibbling himself. <laughs> You might be wondering, what did that story have to do with Vision Sunday? Absolutely nothing. I just thought you could use a good laugh right there. All right. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It is. We should laugh. God has vision for your life. He has vision for, your, for the church. And it's easy to grab hold of this vision and to get started, but it's also easy to stall out and stop paying attention to it and then gradually get into disorder. That's why the Apostle Paul starts out his prayer for the church like this in Ephesians 1.16. I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. He didn't just pray for them once. He prayed for them constantly that they would continue to progress in the vision that God gave them and the vision that God had for their lives. Because even Paul knew that we all had a tendency to get stuck and just kind of stall out and stop moving forward. But how do we know that Paul was praying for vision here? Well, because we're about to see the four things that we just talked about in this very prayer. This is awesome. So he's praying, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Know God, right? Get closer to God because there's always a step closer. He goes on to say, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light. Find freedom because light drives out darkness. 
so that you can understand the confident hope he's given to those he's called. Say, God's called me. Discover purpose. Become confident in what God has called you to do. And finally, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. And that's how we make a difference, by bringing people into the kingdom of God, his holy people. So there it was. This is something that we need to pray for each other constantly, that none of us stalls out on our spiritual journey, but that we all keep moving forward. We're getting closer to God. We're growing in freedom. We're developing our purpose. And because of this, we're making an unfathomable difference. Can I show it to you in the Old Testament? Okay, well, I'm going to anyway. But this is when God was revealing his plan to save the Israelites from Egypt, you know, the, t- the plagues and all that kind of stuff. This is that time frame. He says, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. No God. We're talking about when God pulls you out of the kingdom of darkness and puts you into the king- his kingdom, right? I will free you from being slaves to them. Find freedom. God wants you to be free from sin. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. Discover purpose. It's always been there, but the world has a way of distracting you from your purpose. But God wants to redeem your purpose. And no matter how long you've been waiting, no matter how long you've been off track, he can pick you up and put you right where you need to be because that's just how good God is. Why couldn't he do that? I mean, he created you after all, right? Since I will take you as my own people and I will be your God, then you will know that I am the Lord your God. Make a difference. Our purpose is to grow the kingdom of God, to make an eternal difference in the lives of others. This vision is all throughout the Bible. It's God's vision for you. It's God's vision for our church. Know God. Find freedom. Discover purpose. Make a difference. We will not be whole. We will not function well without any one of those. If we've got people who know God, but they're not living in freedom, we've got an unhealthy church. If we've got people who know God and have found freedom, but they haven't discovered and operating in their purpose, we're going to have an unhealthy church. All right. Today is the day, though, to figure out where you are on this spiritual journey, because we're all probably in a different place, and that's okay, because it is a journey. So let's keep this thing moving forward. Let me help you figure out where you are with these four questions. The first one is, how close am I to God right now? You see, we tend to approach God as an earthly being, like, here I am, I'm an earthly being today having a spiritual experience at church. That's kind of how we see God. In other words, most of the time, we're, we just kind of hang out here in our natural world, and occasionally we, we pay attention to the spiritual and say, oh, hey, God. But what if we have it backwards? We think that we're earthly beings having a temporary spiritual experience, but we're really spiritual beings having a temporary earthly experience. Shifts your mind, right? You are a spirit. As a matter of fact, that's the only part of you that's going to live forever. That's the only part of you that you're taking to heaven with you. And when you get to heaven, you're going to get a new glorified body. And let me tell you, my arms are going to have about three times as more muscle in my glorified body. My nose isn't going to be crooked anymore, and it'll probably be a little bit smaller. Just guessing. But then you have Jacob up here. He's probably going to look just the same, because I'm pretty sure he's already in his glorified body. But since we're primarily spirit beings, don't you think that it would serve us well to prioritize our spiritual lives? It would, to spend more time focusing on our spiritual health, to make sure that we're always getting closer to God. 
You see, Romans 12, 11 says, never lag behind in diligence, a glow in the spirit. Well, that's kind of a funny saying, but it kind of reminds me of how pregnant women kind of just glow. They're a glow in their pregnancy. We're supposed to glow in the spirit. People should be able to look at us and be like, wow, that's something different about them. They're kind of glowing. Enthusiastically serving the Lord with enthusiasm. Have you ever been on fire for God and then just a short while later, like you struggled to get up for church? Sure you have. We all have. And it's because of entropy. We kind of left our spiritual growth alone, our spiritual health alone, and we gradually declined until our relationship with God was just kind of, we weren't close to him anymore. We understand that our closeness with others has a direct correlation to how much quality time we spend with them, right? The quality of my relationship with Beth has a direct correlation to how much time I'm with her, having quality time with her. If I was gone all the time, probably wouldn't work out. But then we looked, look at God and our relationship with him. We're like, well, you know, Sunday here and there, that'll probably be enough. But if you really want to be close to God, you have to be intentional about spending time with him, not just on Sundays, but every day. Have a specific time of the day that you spend time in, his, in prayer and in his word. For me, this happens before I start working. I go up to my office for work, and the first thing I do is I sit in my prayer chair, and I connect with God. It's what I do every day at the same time. You don't have to do it in the morning, but you should have a specific time that you do it every day. And it's not because God requires it. God does not require this. The reason that you do it is because if you don't, you're going to forget. Entropy will set in. And before you know it, it's been weeks before you took time to spend time with God. So you schedule it for you. God doesn't need a schedule, (laughs) but you need a schedule. But don't turn it into some kind of rule-following session where you just sit down and you go through these motions and you might even start your prayer with, well, Lord, here I am. Kate told me to be here. (laughs) What you do matters. Being intentional about spending your time with God matters, but it all means nothing if it doesn't come from a motivation of love. Let me show you what I mean. In Revelation 2.2, this is Jesus talking right here. He says, I know all the things that you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Well, thank you, Jesus. I'm glad you noticed. But then there's something next. But I have a complaint against you. Jesus, you don't have a complaint against me. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. So these people were really good at doing the right things, but they were doing it out of a religious motivation. In other words, they just wanted to be known as good rule followers. The problem is without love, even the good things that we do are meaningless. They don't mean anything. So as you get intentional about spending your time with God, let it come out of a motivation of love. I'm doing this because I love God. I'm madly in love with God. I come to church because I love God and I love his people. I go to small group because I love God and I love his people. I'm faithful in my tithes and offerings because I love God and I love his people. And that has to be our motivation. So how is your relationship with God? Think about it. If it's not where it needs to be, your answer is revealed in the very next scripture. He says, consider how far you've fallen. And that's just by taking time to answer that question. How close am I to God? What's happened? And if you're not where you need to be, all you do is repent and do the things you did at first. And repent seems like such a scary word to some people, but it just means to turn around. You were headed in the wrong direction. God was back there. Oh, repent, turn around. I'm going to walk this way. I'm going to move towards God. Now, some of y'all need to do a little checkup on your find freedom. 
you found a little freedom over here, but then you just kind of stalled out. And here's a question to determine if this is you. How close am I to other believers right now? Because Scripture shows us that freedom is a direct result of how good your relationships are with other believers. It's kind of mind-blowing for some people. You think that freedom comes when you sit in your prayer closet and have a good prayer time with the Lord, but the Lord says to confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can be healed and so that you can live in freedom. you got to have people to find freedom. You don't find freedom on your own. You only find freedom when you get real with other believers. You know what the biggest problem with this one is, though? It takes time. And we are really busy. Unless you came to my small group last time, then you've unhurried your life, right? Hopefully you all are still doing that. Do we need to have a, a, a refresher? Yeah, a part two? <laughs> we probably do. I probably do too. But building relationships with other believers is one of those things. It's important. We all know it's important. I think we'd all agree, yeah, that's important, but it's not urgent. And so it often gets overrun by the things that are urgent, but not really important like the notifications on our phone, you know, stuff like that. Well, our fall semester of small groups kicks off next week. But you can go ahead and choose your group today. You probably saw the papers out there on the big table. You can pick one and and choose a group there. Let me tell you something. Join a group, join a group, join a group. Join a group, join a group, join a group. Don't let this go by. Don't just join one, but prioritize your group. And trust me, Things are going to come up while you're in your group that feel more urgent than your small group, but you'll know that your small group is actually more important, and I encourage you to choose the more important thing and not let the urgent overtake the important. Man, this is like a journey in life. It's not just small groups. Like This applies in so many different areas. If you can learn to push the urgent aside to go after the important, you're going to get a lot further. Maybe I need to do a message on that. I'm kind of getting stirred up. All right, but you can't build relationships without time. You can't find freedom without relationships. You were never meant to do this by yourself. We're in this together. We're here for each other. And that's why it says in Hebrews 10.25, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near, especially now that the political climate is ridiculous, especially now that there's so much fear going on, especially now, don't neglect meeting together. So let me encourage you today, join a small group. Don't take the entropy path where you're like, I'm just going to sit this small group uh, semester aside and I'll do this by myself, but I'll I'll get one in January. No, we're not doing entropy today. We're going to choose a small group. And some of you might be thinking, Kate, I'm already walking in freedom. I don't need a group. Well, that's great. I'm glad you're walking in freedom, but small groups needs you. Like you found some freedom and you owe it to your church to go show them how to get to the same destination. Get in a group, get in a group, get in a group. I think we needed a song for that this morning. Get in a group. Healthy relationship with other believers is God's vision for you. And you build those relationships here at church in, say it together, small groups. All right. Now, some of you need to do a little check in your discover purpose. God's placed a calling on your life. You have a specific function in the body of Christ, but you're not fully engaging in it yet. You're just kind of like maybe flirting with it a little bit. The question is, why do we stall out on our purpose? That kind of seems like a funny place to stall out on. Well, I think it's one of, two, one of two reasons. We either think too much of ourselves or we think too little of ourselves. So here's a question to help you determine if this is you. Do I see myself the way that God sees me? If you think that you're all that in a bag of chips, you're not seeing who God sees. You're not seeing who God created. You're seeing who you created. If you think that you'll never amount to anything, you're not seeing who God created, you're deceived by the enemy. 
He's trying to keep you from your purpose. Let's take a look at what the Bible has to say about this. Romans 12, 3. Don't think you're better than you really are, peeps. Just don't do it. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Aren't you glad it doesn't say measuring yourselves by the abilities that you have, by the achievements that you have, by how far you've come? No, by the faith. Faith is God's way of doing things. We measure ourselves by the very thing that God has given us. Who gave it to us? God gave it to us. You didn't create faith on your own. Every time you hear the word of God and it renews your mind, God fills you with faith. It's him doing the work. It goes on to say, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we belong to each other. In other words, if you're not operating in your purpose, our church is missing one of its body parts. Like we're falling over because we don't have our big toe or we can't pick up the trash because we don't have our hand. Whatever it is, our church cannot fulfill its potential without you discovering and operating in your purpose. You have a special function here at church. You have a special function in the body of Christ, and you are the only one that can do it. And you have to do it because the body of Christ depends on it. And for some of you, this means that you need to go through growth track. And growth, the good news is step one happens today, right after service. You could just jump in today if you wanted to. Growth Track is a three-step process where we help you discover your purpose, and then we help you connect that purpose in the church here uh, with one of our teams that's a fit for your purpose. It just takes one hour from 12.30 to 1.30 on three different Sundays for three different steps. We feed you lunch, so you actually get home at the same time you would if you went out to eat, and you can go take your nap. It works out for all of us. If you're ready for Growth Track, we'd love to see you today at 12.30. It's right here in the auditorium for step one. And some of you guys, though, have been to Growth Track, and you've never really plugged into a team here at church. I've been there, but I didn't plug in yet. I'm not getting on to you, really. I know it's hard, and it can be intimidating to find the team that's the right fit, but you, you got to get in there and try, because here's, a, here's why. We need you. We need you. We, need, we can't do this without you. This is not a Cage show. This is not a Dylan and Beth show, singing worship. This is an everybody thing. We all got to do this together. So take what you learned about growth, take what you learned in growth track about yourself, find a team that fits those things, and just dive in and give it a shot. We're not gonna keep you there. This isn't prison, y'all. If it doesn't work out, we'll let you free and you can go try out another team. So what causes us to stall out here? Like we get all the way to discover our purpose and then we get stuck, unable to make a difference. Like you're serving on the dream team, but you don't feel like you're making a difference. What causes that? Well, I think it's because we're not thinking enough about heaven. Here's the last question to ask yourself. Am I living with heaven in mind? Our default is to live our lives only thinking about what's going on here on earth. We know eternity's coming, but it just seems so far away that I don't need to mess with that right now. I mean, we have it good here. We live in America. We have air conditioning. We have way too much food. We have garage doors that you push the button and all three of them open so we can drive all three of our cars in, right? And we want more of it. I want some more of that. And the Apostle Paul knew we'd struggle with this. That's why he gave us this stern warning in Philippians chapter 3, verse 18. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, like this guy is passionate about what he's about to say. This is important. This is something that we need to get. That many, there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. Well, that sounds serious. What, kind, what people is he talking about here? Oh, by the way, he's talking to a church here. People who say they're Christians, but they're really enemies of the cross of Christ. Well, well, how do we identify these people? I skipped one there. 
They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. We're describing them here. Their God, the God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things and they think only about this life here on earth. Hurts a little bit, doesn't it? It's okay to enjoy pleasures. It's not okay to crave pleasures where all you think about is the next house, the next car, or if you're a food person, the next dessert, or the next doobie that you're going to smoke. Yep, I even know what that is, and I said it. (laughs) Grandma doesn't know what that is. We'll talk later, Grandma. (laughs) Here's why. We're citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. You guys, enjoy the amazing things that God has given us on this earth. God put them there for you to enjoy them. He really did. But never let them become more important than heaven. It's just a priority thing. Where are my priorities? Are they in line? Don't get so busy with this life that you forget that you have an assignment to introduce people to Jesus and help them transition their eternity from hell to heaven. So that you can see them again. You'll see them again. You see, at the end of our lives, there's going to be two judgments. And the first one God will ask us, why do you belong in heaven? And the answer is really simple. Well, Jesus. I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. That's the only way to spend eternity in heaven. You, you believe in Jesus, and you say it with your mouth. I believe in Jesus. But then there's going to be another judgment. But no matter what happens on this second judgment, you don't lose your entry into heaven. Some people might think they get to that second one, and if, if it doesn't go well, they'll just go ahead and be kicked out of heaven. It's not going to happen. The only way into heaven was with Jesus. But at the second judgment, there's going to be a fire. And there's some, because th- there's some things that, come, that can't come with you to heaven. So Jesus has to take a moment here to burn all those things off so that you can enter into heaven. Let me show you what I mean. In 1 Corinthians 3.13, it says, but on judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. Survives what? The fire, which means it survives eternity. Meaning that you did something here on earth that had an eternal impact in somebody's life. Those are the things that survive the fire. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved. Told y'all. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. A good visual of this for you guys is just imagine that your house burned down with your car inside and all your possessions, everything, you lost everything except the clothes on your back. That's what this means here. You're gonna walk away from that fire and you're gonna be like, I don't, I don't got anything left. It's rough. So if you live your life with, without heaven in mind, everything you did here on earth is gonna be burned up and you're gonna enter heaven with nothing to show for what you did here on earth. For all that time you spent here on earth, nothing left over. And I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't want to waste this life. I'm excited that that fire is going to burn up everything that I did wrong, but I also want some things to survive the fire. I want a big pile of things to survive the fire. And I know you do too, or you won't even be here today. You wouldn't be spending your Sunday here with me at no limits. But if we leave this area alone, entropy will set in we will gradually decline until all we think about is ourselves. Our culture paints this picture of if your life is focused on self, that's a good life. But it's a sucky life. It's a lonely life. It's a meaningless life. It's a stressful life. 
it's not a good life. We gotta live our lives with heaven in mind. So I wanna give you a moment this morning to take inventory of your life. Just do a little self-check on the inside of you. So go ahead and close your eyes. We'll dim the lights down. And I want you to work through these three questions or these four questions in your mind. The first one was, you might remember, how close am I to God right now? Just take a moment to answer that question in your heart. Then the next question is, how close am I to other believers? Am I investing in relationships? Am I prioritizing relationships? And then do I see myself the way that God sees me? Am I caught up in myself trying to do this all my own way? Do I think I have nothing to offer and so I'm afraid to step into my purpose? Do I see the way, do I see myself the way that God sees me? And finally, am I living with heaven in mind? Am I living with eternity in mind? Or am I living just for this life? And I believe that we all have an adjustment to make today. And this isn't like, I'm not trying to make you feel bad about yourself, nothing like that. I just cast off condemnation in Jesus' name. But there's an adjustment that we all have to make. And it's a good thing to have those things revealed to us so we don't get stuck in entropy where we gradually decline and don't even realize that we're declining until it's it's been too late. We don't want that to happen. But I believe that there's one step that we all need to take today. Just one. You may have heard several steps that you want to take, but there's one that you need to focus on. And I want to pray for you right now so that it's revealed. And when I pray, I believe that the Holy Spirit is just going to open your mind to see exactly what your next step is. It might come as a vision. You might see some words flash across. I mean, the Holy Spirit speaks in many different ways. So just right now, open yourself to the Holy Spirit because we need his direction. Holy Spirit, we need you. We don't want to do this without you. We humble ourselves before you and we acknowledge that your way is better. We realize today that we are actually spiritual beings having an earthly experience. So today we connect with the spiritual side of ourselves. We don't fear it. We don't think that it's weird. We know that's who we are. So help us to set our flesh aside our own desires, our own passions, just to set that aside right now so that we can hear clearly what you're speaking to our spirit. And Lord, I ask you, and your word says that when we ask anything according to your will, you'll do it. So I ask you to reveal right now the next step that we need to take. for some people, it may be here in the room or you may be listening or watching online right now. Your next step is to give your life to Jesus. 
stirring on the inside of you right now. So let's not let another moment go by. Today's the day for you to go ahead and make that decision. Jesus died for you. Everything that he suffered through leading up for, to his death was so that you could have freedom, freedom in your body, freedom in your mind, freedom from your past, freedom from regret, freedom. Only the power of Jesus can free you from your sin. There's nothing you can do to earn it. You don't have to do anything other than believe in Jesus to secure your eternity in heaven. And today you can make that decision. All you got to do is step out in faith and say, yes, Jesus, I believe. You say that with your mouth. Yes, Jesus, I believe. Be my leader. Be my Lord. I want to follow your way, not my own. And Lord, I thank you right now for everybody who made that decision. I thank you that I'm going to see him in heaven. I thank you that you made it so simple for us to step into your kingdom. I thank you that you're so willing to pull us out of the kingdom of darkness and into your kingdom. I thank you that you're so welcoming, that your love is so great and that your grace is endless. And it doesn't matter how bad I was in the past that you just say, yes, I want you and my family. Come on in. You are so good. You did that for me. He did that for you. And Jesus, we acknowledge you as Lord of our life, as leader of our life. And we love you. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, if you gave your life to Jesus today, that's so awesome. We celebrate with you best decision you could ever make, but there's now a journey that's ahead and you need people along that journey. We would love to be those people, but we can't help you if we don't know that you gave your life to Jesus. So we just set up a real easy way for you to tell us. You simply text the word Jesus to 918-373-9883. Really, you could just text anything you want to to that number. We'll see it. We'll respond. And we would love to walk with you through that journey. Amen. Amen. Well, the past couple of weeks, I've been updating you guys on what we've been able to do uh, for our missionary in Mexico. They were in desperate need of a truck. God moved on our heart to provide one for them. And as a church, we sent them $15,000. And that would have provided a great used truck for them, but those are hard to come by in Mexico. He tried to get one. It was snatched up before he got it. So he ended up having to buy a brand new truck. So here's the cool thing. Another church came in with us, made up the difference, and now they own a brand new truck, free and clear. That is awesome. Now, I told you I'd show you a picture of our missionary Ben in the truck. So here you go. He picked it up. He's got it. And they named the truck Pavo Rial. There's probably some more rolls in there. I just can't get them out. So I don't know, which basically means peacock. I don't know why he named the truck peacock, but that's, that's what it is. So you guys were part of this through your giving. Even if you've never given to the Mexico fund, most of this came out of our general fund, which means that you were all a part of it. And the only reason we had this surplus is because you all have been faithful and generous in your tithes and offerings. And I'm so grateful for that. So thank you for being a generous church. It is fun to be a generous church. And I look forward to what God's going to do next through our generosity. It's so good. If you're ready to give today and you're giving by cash or check, you can raise your hand for an offering envelope. One of our ushers will bring it to you. Or you can give online anytime. And how you do that is you simply open the browser on your phone, tablet, computer. You type in nolimits.fyi into the address bar, kind of like nolimits.com. You just put .fyi instead. You'll find a giving button there. You tap it and you'll be on your way. Thank you so much for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. 
It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And if you were encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.